What's going on, guys, and welcome back. This is episode number 35 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Erzotto. Uh, again, happy January. We are done with 2020. We've had a few episodes uh, of 2021. And uh, as you guys know, I did a promotion-type deal where I called it RizzoCast Takeover, where people could sign up and talk about what they want to talk about. And today we have a guest. You want to introduce yourself? Hey everybody, I'm Anthony Remedios. I'm uh, same age as Steven actually, uh, freshman over at, uh, at Arizona State at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communications, studying sports journalism where hopefully down the line Steven and I will, uh, will get a chance to do some more collaborating and get to know each other better through the years. Um, I'm also from the Bay Area. I went to Aragon High School, uh, so not far from you Steven. Um, it's, been, it's just great. Thank you for having me on. It's just great to be be back on the air. Um, just a little bit about me um, and where I come from journalistically and as a broadcaster. Um, during my four years at Aragon, I did a lot of PA announcing and team managing. So if you ever came out to an Aragon game in the last four years, uh, chances are you have probably seen me in some way, shape, or form, or you've heard my voice um, as you've come to our games. Then I also was the sports information director there in my senior year, managing all the uh, athletics Twitter and max preps and all, all that good stuff for Aragon. And I've done that. I've done uh, announcing stuff outside of Aragon as well. If you've ever come down to District 52 to any of our leagues, you've probably seen me there. Or if you're around the youth baseball scene on the peninsula, uh, I'm very active as a as a youth baseball umpire when we're not when we're not in a pandemic. So. Here at ASU, I've also done, um, I've been doing some, uh, a DJ shift every week at Blaze Radio, which is our campus, campus, campus radio station here. And uh, I also do a podcast on the side and uh, have more good stuff that I'm working on uh, as we head into 2021. So thanks again for having me, Stephen. Yeah, for sure. Very long laundry list of accomplishments there, Anthony. So appreciate you coming on. Um, first point here, we want to talk Hall of Fame. And the Hall of Fame ballot is upon us. January 26th is the day that it will get announced. Um, so, Anthony, let's start with you. Do you have a ballot that you kind of want to unveil to the people? I do. So, my ballot really hasn't changed much from last year. There's, uh, the, there's, all, there's a number of first-name balloters this year. First-time first, first guys on the ballot this year. But none of them really stand out to me. Um, you know, there are some notable names for sure. Ferry Zito, as a Giants fan, uh, very familiar with him. Uh, Shane Victorino, t- uh, Tim Hudson, just a couple other names. On- Nick Swisher, just a couple other names on here, uh, among others, who are on as a first-time balloter. But none of them really stand out to me. Um, but aside from that, my ballot really hasn't changed much from last year. So on, the- on my 2021 MLB Hall of Fame ballot, I have Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Omar Vizquel. Actually, sorry, I don't have Vizquel. Uh, Billy Wagner and Gary Sheffield. Um, so that is my 2021 MLB Hall of Fame ballot. How about you? Who do you got? Yeah, I have something pretty similar. Um, again, with the, uh, the first-time names, none of them really stick out. I mean, I guess you can make a case for Mark Burley maybe in a perfect world, Tory Hunter, 
maybe in a perfect world, Tim Hudson stays on the ballot for another year or two. Um, but I've kind of got the same names. You have Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Gary Sheffield, Kurt Schilling, Billy Wagner. I did have Omar Vizquel, but I was convinced on this show um, by a few people that have come on that Vizquel uh, is not deserving and he should not be among the players. And this has nothing to do with the domestic violence allegations that's coming out against him, but I just, you know, kind of changed my mind. Um, but I also have a few others, Jeff Kent, Scott Rowland. I think those two guys are, are definitely hall of famers. Okay. Uh, and of course I added last minute Manny Ramirez. So that's my yeah. list. Um, is there any like decisions that like you, it was, it was hard to make for you? Like what were some of the kind of edgy picks that you had on your ballot? Well, one that I actually just, his name totally, I just totally forgot about and didn't see it on my list. I didn't have him on my ballot, but Sammy Sosa. Let's talk about Sammy Sosa for a second. What are your thoughts on him? I know he's part of that whole group with McGuire and Bonds and Clemens. You know, that's part of that steroid era. And we're, we'll get a little bit more into some of these controversial ballots. But what, what are your thoughts on Sosa? Yeah, I'm, I'm no on Sosa just because... So you mentioned those names. Um, I would be Noah McGuire too, if he was still on the ballot. Unfortunately, he fell off. But, you know, Bonds and Clemens, they all had careers before PEDs. So they were, you know, first suspected, I believe, Bonds before 1998, uh, before 1999. He was clean. And then, of course, according to the Game of Shadows, uh, he was first juicing, you know, 99 and past. So they all had, you know, all-star Hall of Fame road careers beforehand. You know, if you look at Sammy Sosa's career, he's pretty much a product of steroids. This guy benefited more from steroids than them. Uh, I think his, you know, if you look at his career numbers, I mean, he started off in Chicago as with the White Sox as, you know, a speed guy, a speed, you know, outfield, defensive outfielder guy. He was not a big power hitter. And then all of a sudden he's hitting 60 home runs three times. And yeah, I just don't think, you know, and that's all he did. He was not a big extra base guy, but. Sosa kind of just all he did was hit homers. There's, I mean, sure, one of the greatest home run hitters in the game with over 600, but he's just not there for me. I think he's too much of a product of PEDs. There. And another thing, too, about uh, steroid users is my thing on you can't, it's a whole era of baseball. There were so many guys doing it back then. And the number of people who have done it that have not gotten caught, it, it, it's, 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 it's undefinable. You can't, there's so many, that that's how many people did it. And you can't just take out a whole era of the hall of fame. And you mentioned bonds had numbers that were hall of fame worthy before steroids and him and Clemens, both of them to at least, unless I'm just totally missing something here, they never did. They, it was never proven while they were playing. So even though they may have admitted it, it still was never proven. So that's, that's where I'm at with those two. Yeah. And also to add on, to add on to uh, the point about, you know, track record before steroids, Manny Ramirez is on the kind of the same path. I know his only condition is he got popped twice, but what I look at that and what I didn't look in recent years regarding Manny Ramirez was, yeah, he got popped, but he served the suspensions in place. So he served the 50 games the first time. The second time, the 50 games pretty much ended his big league career. So I think that's, you know, enough of a punishment. Uh, and look, you know, next year's ballot's going to be, 
you know, we're going to have the same conversation all over again. David Ortiz is coming on. He's a PED guy from those, um, those tests in 2003. A-Rod is coming on the ballot. He's a guy that is probably, you know, you could argue modern day controversial. You know, Bonds was, you know, controversial back in the 2000s. But if we're looking at recent PED scandals, I mean, A-Rod's one of the biggest of all time. He had the longest yeah. suspension. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. Yeah. And then my take on chilling, since you talked about chilling a little bit earlier, what I am somebody who has always been very a strong, a very strong believer in what happens on the field is on the field. What happens off the field is off the field. Now there are situations that you can't, you can't disregard that. And that as people, you can't disregard that. But when it comes to the hall of fame, I am somebody that believes it's about what they did on the field and what they did on. And that is a scenario where the on field off the field should be two separate things. And Schilling should not be, he should not be ruled out. He should not fail to make it in just because of his political views. We're in 2021 after all. Okay. There's no way everybody agrees on everything. But it's that this it's that exchange of ideas and that disagreements that helps us benefit as people, helps us grow as people, and just helps us make the right decisions. And that just go that's just in general, not even just in a baseball sense, just in from a humanity and a growing society point of view. Yeah, and I'm trying to get Kurt on the show, actually. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna send a follow-up. Uh, but that should be an interesting but yeah, I agree. Um I, as much as I don't like Kurt Schilling's takes on anything, I do respect that he was a Hall of Fame pitcher. And honestly, it's not the political beliefs that are keeping him out. I think voters genuinely don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Because, you know, if you look at, I believe 2013 might have been his first year on the ballot. He got, he got no, uh, I'm speaking gibberish here. He got no support. I mean, the guy got zero support. Mike Mussina, who's, you know, kind of his nearest comparable, got in. And, you know, Kurt Schilling is kind of left in the left in the snow there. Uh, but if you look at his vote total, you know, I'm looking at it right now, 2003, 38.8% of the vote. This was before politics. This was before, uh, I believe, he even got a Twitter account. I mean, this was before Donald Trump. So, you know, I, it's just interesting. I don't think he has – I just don't think it's the opinions. I just think people genuinely don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because he's a four-time MVP winner, four-time Cy Young, and counting here, six-time All-Star. And he is one of the leaders in the game in strikeouts, over 3,000 strikeouts, and a career ERA of 346. Is that, uh, just, is that Clemens or Schilling? That's Schilling. Clemens had 40, almost 4,700 strikeouts. And three a three twelve ERA. Yeah, both. Now, granted, he is one of those people in the steroid debate. But going back to my point earlier, it, you that's a whole era of baseball. And Roger Clemens was dominating during the steroid era against people that were doing steroids. So mm-hmm. th- there's one thing that you know he, it was not easy in that Amer- especially in the American League East, which was no joke with the Yankees being really good at that time, the Red Sox being really good at that time. Um, so obviously, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, a debate that will continue to go on forever. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to get in and 
I don't know if I know we're going to move on at this point. I don't know if anybody's going to get in. Honestly, I don't think anybody's going to get in. If you look at Ryan Thibodeau's Hall of Fame tracker, nobody's above 75%. You know, usually they are at this point, and whoever's not tracking high, you know, usually we see those numbers fall off. I just don't see anybody getting near 75% of the vote. Yeah, and uh, but that brings up a good point. This is another thing that I was wondering wanted to talk about. So what happens if no one gets in? Now, I know that this year we have the 2020 Hall of Fame class also coming in. That was Derek Jeter, first-time Hall of Famer, who missed the unanimous vote by one vote, but that's a different, a different discussion there. <laughs> um, I still really want to know who that one person is. We all um, do. And then we also have Larry Walker, who uh, made it in in his last year on the ballot. Um, so though we have those two coming in. But then what, what else happens this year? Does it, do they then just get their own, their own class? Or, I mean, how, how, how does that work? It just it, – it seems – it just – it's an odd thing, and it's something we've never seen before. Yeah, they just skipped the – well, we saw it in 2013 when nobody got in, but they just yeah, kind of skipped the, the weekend altogether. And I guess Jeter and Ted Simmons, who got in via the Veterans Committee and – Larry Walker, Larry Walker, they're just going to have their day. So um, okay. it's it's going to be sad, but, you know, if the writers don't think there's a Hall of Famer, that's unfortunate because there definitely is one on this ballot. Yeah, and that that brings up a good point. You know, we uh, if for people who have been following on Twitter through the different pages, through uh, Mr. Tibbs, uh, there's a couple other guys who track this as well. You've seen guys – some of our major analysts like Buster Olney and John Heyman commenting on this. We've seen some controversial ballots coming in this year. We've seen blank ballots, especially from first-time voters. And we've seen another type of controversial ballot that we'll get to in a minute. But what are your thoughts on some of these blank ballots that are coming in? Uh, I, you know, it's, it's a personal decision. It's a really big honor for these baseball writers to – vote for the hall of fame to have a say because it's a pretty big deal for prospective people on the ballot to even be considered so it's a big deal um i disagree with it uh some of them are are you know borderline you know you should get your vote taken away you know <laughs> so it's it some of them are that bad i yeah. mean but some of them are you know you don't have to fill up all 10 names you know if you think there's only seven hall of famers so be it but, it, you know, it's definitely interesting. And um, I, I think it's interesting when you have like a one-person ballot, ballot and the only guy on the ballot is, you know, a guy like Mark Burley. That's when I would start laughing at you. So right. um, <laughs> that, that would be my one problem if it's a ballot like that. I, and, and I'm not somebody who is adamant on you have to fill 10 names. No, I don't care how many names you put down. But we're, one of the things that I've – didn't you know? I I haven't. It wasn't really till this year that I started actually getting feeling opinionated on it. Is the people who put nobody down, who just send in absolutely blank ballots? That's where I'm like, really? There's 25 guys on this Hall of Fame ballot, and you're telling me that there's not one guy who deserves it? Because I know there is Barry Bonds, if nobody else, and others. But you're telling me that out of some of those guys that I mentioned on my ballot, there's not one of them that's Hall of Fame worthy, especially if you're a first-time voter. Because if you're a first-time voter, you've been doing this for 10 years and waiting for this. It is such a big honor to be voting in the major league, for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame 
And to just not put anybody on there is yeah. just, it, it's tragic. And I saw somewhere, I can't remember who it was that was uh, making this argument. It's something I never thought of, but it's a perfectly valid point. And that is the fact that the people who don't put anybody on their ballot, it just puts more pressure on the other writers. And it also makes it harder on those players to get in because then they have to make up the votes somewhere else. And to get 75%, I think it's like one in three votes that you need. Am I correct there, Stephen? It's something like that. Something like that. And that then not putting anybody on there just makes it that much harder. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of these people are, are people that have not covered baseball. I mean, they've done a good job kind of rooting those people out in recent years, but there's some people still there that don't cover baseball regularly. Uh, and it's, you know, it's frustrating. But then again, these are the guys that did watch the people on the ballot play. Uh, but I would say to the blank ballot, uh, it is frustrating. Um, you know, but, but again, you know, I, I understand the point where it's like, you know, these guys have 10 years of service and now they get to vote and they blow it. Right. I agree. You know, and it's, it's, it, I would definitely want to vote for the hall of fame so bad as do you, I'm sure. Um, but it, it is interesting to see some blank ballots get submitted, but um, hopefully, hopefully uh, we could see more Barry Bonds ballots get in. Cause that's what we in the Bay area hope to see. Cause the guy was among the best players of all time for sure. Hopefully, hopefully. And the other type of controversial ballot that I was alluding to a couple minutes ago is the people who lose votes. That's the other part that I don't understand. What's your take on that? I mean, how, what is it? it? These players are no longer playing. And if the Baseball Hall of Fame, as I said earlier, should be based on what they did on the field, how are players losing votes? You know, unless something totally drastic happens, which to my knowledge, unless I'm just totally, again, unless I'm just totally living under a rock here, nothing has really been that drastic that it's just, you know, it's not like they were, you know, it's not like anybody became a serial killer or anything. Okay, then maybe we're, we're having a different discussion there. But nothing's been that drastic that somebody should have their vote taken away. And that's the other thing that I've just been baffled by this year. Yeah, the only reason I could think of somebody getting a, a vote taken away is because of how crowded the ballot is. Uh, so, like, Jeff Kent has, you know, not benefited from, or he has benefited the least, I should say, from, the crowded ballots of the past. There's been so many great players on the ballots. Jeff Kent's always the 11th or 12th option. So it's difficult for writers to, you know, they fit him in when they can, but, you know, that would be, you know, that would be an acceptable lost vote. But if we're talking about, you know, Kurt Schilling or something, and um, maybe not Kurt Schilling is not the best example, but if you're someone that puts, let's say Scott Rowland, for example, if you put Scott Rowland on the ballot, and then you have him off the next year, like, is the guy all of a sudden not a Hall of Famer? Like, you're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. Like, right. I mean, that's, the, like, I, I get really frustrated when I hear people say, this guy's a first ballot guy. Oh, this guy's, a, you know, maybe a third ballot guy. Like, you're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. And baseball has done a great job. For the, for the most part, the writers have gotten it right. They've voted the people that deserve to be in, in and they've gotten right. For, they do it, for the most part, they do a good job. And, you know, some guys are just so adamant on, on keeping it small hall, on trying to get the all-time greats in, you know, the, or I should say now clean all-time greats in, 
You know, they're not interested in voting in a Mark Burley, even though the game has evolved to where starting pitchers only go five innings. So maybe Mark Burley or Tim Hudson don't benefit from that, you know? So it's, it's an interesting debate that we're going to have for many, many more years. And another thing that somebody uh, brought up to me in one of my Twitter discussions is I understand we don't want it, the hall of fame to be watered down, but still you, there, there are people on this ballot that you can't tell me there's nobody deserving of it. Yep. For sure. Um, and we saw, um, I believe Scott Rowland and Omar Vizquel were two guys that got some of the biggest jumps in votes last year. Am I, am I mistaken on that? Yeah, they're going to continue to get votes. And, and they have to, they're in their fourth year. So they still got six more years, years on the ballot after this. And I, so uh, I think they will get in eventually. Yeah, um, yeah, I could definitely see it for sure. Um, so another thing, uh, we're going to um, – do you have any last thoughts on the Hall of Fame real quick? I don't. I, you know, I think, you know, those of you guys that want to see more coverage of the Hall of Fame, be sure to check out our past content. I've been all Hall of Fame during December. I've had guests on talking about the Hall of Fame. Um, so check that out for sure. It's never – it's a topic that just never gets old. It's always a fun discussion to have. Yeah, yeah. and one thing that I we don't have a ton of time to talk about, but there are other players that we're going to see come on this ballot. You mentioned uh, David Ortiz coming on. But even, you know, the, the question has risen in the last year or two about some future Giants. Um, after all, we are both Giants fans based out of the Bay Area. Barry uh, – sorry, not Barry. Buster Posey, uh, Tim Linscombe – some of the bigger names that come to my mind as far as, you know, their hall of fame status or not. And I, so that will be an interesting development over the next, the next couple of years that we'll talk about at a later date as we get a little bit, a little bit closer to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would real quick, just to chime in, I would say Linsicum's peak is a bit too, uh, too short. Um, and There's I a case s- that can be made. Yeah, I mean, Maybe. he was a two-time Cy Young winner and was with us for all those titles through two no-hitters. He, he, there is a case you can't make. That's what makes it interesting. Yeah, but, but I would also – fall would, off after that. I would say that his peak is a bit too short. Buster Posey has maybe more of a case, but I think we're, we're going to see how the final years of his career pan out before I make any, any judgment on Buster. Yeah. But uh, let's take a look at some – and let's uh, get into some NBA action – Right now, um, as we know, the NBA uh, re- re- uh, started up their shortened, abbreviated season of 72 games as opposed to 82 games. They started that back up uh, over the winter break, uh, right, right around uh, Christmas week. Um, but they are not in a bubble format this year like they were with the restart back in, uh, back in July and August and kind of going through the end of what was the 2019-20 NBA season. But right now, a problem that the league is facing is a lot of COVID issues. Um, Teams are being, games are being postponed, teams are being quarantined, players uh, are being quarantined, and we've seen a number of games get postponed over the course of the last um, maybe week, week and a half or so. Um, that's raising some concern for the league. So what does that mean for the league? What, what does this mean for the league, and what, um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's only so much they could do. Uh, as you mentioned, they are not in the bubble. They do not have that layer of protection. And the bubble last summer uh, was the safest place, in my opinion, 
on earth. I mean, COVID was not going to get in that bubble. I mean, limited media, limited people in there. COVID, there's no way. There's no way COVID was ever going to get in that bubble. Um, you know, those guys were were blessed. The guys that the teams that did play, they were blessed to be in that bubble. It's a bit different. You know, obviously the pandemic is still raging on. I mean, there's hope with the vaccine, how fast it gets out. We'll never know because it's taking forever. But I, in the meantime, you know, you just got to, you got to grind through it. And I know major league baseball had a similar thing. I know the NFL, college football, whatever, they all had similar, you know, they're all going to face it. You know, every single person on earth is going to face the probability of possibly either getting it or someone they know getting it. Mm-hmm. And in terms of NBA, I guess you just got to keep the guidelines in place and hope the players follow them. I mean, there's not much you could do, maybe bigger fines or it's, it's a difficult situation. You know, I, I just don't, it, whatever, however they decide to handle it, I'm sure the players will be in full support because at the end of the day, they're playing a game and they are, you know, they're, they, they want to play basketball is what I'm trying to say. So they're going to obviously do whatever they can do to stay safe if they do get to, you know, if they want to play basketball, you got to stay safe. So that would be what I tell the organizations around the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's a good take on it. I mean, it's hard. It was hard enough for them to come up with the whole bubble idea in for 22 teams, much less you talk about eight more teams. That's at least another 30 people per team. You now got, 240 people more you got to figure something out for it's no longer have, a bubble <laughs> you have the you have the you have the rosters you know basketball the other thing too basketball is a lot smaller roster from any of those other sports they only carry what 15 guys on a team or to a squad maybe 20 what's what's the nba roster size steven yeah they don't carry as much yeah they don't they don't carry it you know a 25 40 man roster we're 53-man roster like baseball and football do, respectively. Uh, so they, they, as it is, it's, it's harder for them. But when you talk about you got to get eight more teams into the bubble, then that's just not possible. With the courts that you need and all the facilities and just everything else, it's, just, it's not a realistic expectation. But like you said, I think they're doing, they're doing the best they can. And things are changing by the minute. Um, but they, they are doing the best they can. Do you think, though, that they should suspend or postpone the season? And if so, then what do things look like? Does it start a chain reaction again, just like we saw in March with everything going down initially? That would be last resort. Um, uh, it, it's too, you know, at some point, if all the teams do contract this and so many teams are missing so many games. That would be an option. I mean, it would have to be an option. There's no way around it. I mean, what else are you going to do? Play until literally the next season starts? I mean, that's <laughs> that's not something that you would want to do. So, look, I, I the players would – it would be up to the players, I think. You know, I think the league is going to assess the situation. And, you know, if more teams start getting their games postponed – I, maybe you, you start signing weird amateur players to deals. I don't know. I don't know. There, there's not many options, and I think that would be one of them. But mm-hmm. I cannot – I don't know if going back to the bubble 
would be a would be an option. I think I don't think it a, is right now either. I think um, it's kind of a one time thing, but you know, maybe you get some some help with the uh vaccine. And here's one thing I'll say about professional athletes. And I might be the only one that thinks this. I'm fine if people disagree strongly, but you know, LeBron James could get the vaccine before me and I'm completely okay with it. So that that I know that might be a hot take, but that's what I would say for that. Okay. And I'm I don't ha- I'm not going to go into depth about that right now, partly because I haven't really thought about it and really figured out kind of where my stance is on that. Probably again, a good idea. Uh, um but the, the other thing to remember too about basketball is is this. They can, it's a lot easier to make up a basketball game than it is to make up football or baseball. Basketball has a has the advantage for a couple reasons. Number one, yes, they have dates marked in for the postseason and all that, but they probably have a little bit of flexibility to to adjust the season if they need to. You know, either to make an even playing field for the number of games, or whether that's moving things back in the postseason and you know what whatever whatever that may look like, but also. In basketball, you can play three and four games in a arguably even five games in a week, and it's not a problem. Whereas football, it's once a week. Football is not a sport that is built you 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 can't that is built that way. You can't you can't in football be playing multiple games a day. It's there's just so much physicality and contact that the players need that rest time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I've said that with college basketball, you know, at the college level too, because the college basketball facing the same problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I believe, yeah, the off days help, you know, there's built in off days, um, I guess in every sport, but basketball, I mean, it's, you're pretty flexible with, with when you could play. And um, I think it's just a matter of how many games there needs to be made up mm-hmm. and then a decision could be made then. Yeah. But um, I hopefully things will get better. You know that that that's all we can really all we can really we can really do right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, any last thoughts on the NBA? Well, uh, I can't I can't wait to watch some more basketball. I just got a TV in my room, so we're a little bit more flexible with the sporting events. So that's my flex for the day. Carry on. All right. Uh, let's let's talk about some NHL action. Uh, very, uh, we have a, an interesting, a fun week ahead. Uh, we have hockey, and the National Hockey League is coming back to play. And uh, tip off just started tonight, um, or face off, I should say. We're in hockey, so we got the Maple Leafs and Canadians, Blackhawks and Lightning, and other teams. Uh, most teams playing their first games either today or tomorrow. Uh, but this is a very unique season for hockey. We're seeing a 56-game season uh, and realigned divisions. Uh, so why don't we talk a little bit about that, Stephen? Uh, what are your initial your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'll be completely honest with you. I don't watch a lot of hockey, so my knowledge on hockey is very minimal. So I'm going to ask you a, a few questions here. What is the hockey uh, season normally? What's the length of it normally? How many games do they usually play? So normally you get, I think it's an 81 or 82 game season. I can't remember. I feel, I think it's 80, some, one of those, 81, 82 game season, about the same length as the NBA. Uh, 
The only difference is that hockey, the timeline is a little, they're usually about two or three weeks ahead of the NBA, but mostly in that same format. You're playing three to four games in a week, or you know, you, you go on and off the road, all that stuff. And there's uh, an East and a West Western Conference uh, with the um, with you know each of their own divisions. This year, however, we are playing a 56 game season with realigned divisions for this season only. So the, thir- the, are the realigned divisions meant for travel purposes? Much yes. Like so the- they are grouped. Uh, they are grouped regionally. Um, and so here is actually what those divisions will look like. You haven't basically they combine the two divisions. So there's eight teams in every in every division except for the Canadian division. So they put all the Canadian teams in one division, also for travel purposes and quarantine restrictions between the two governments um, of those yeah, countries. That's right, Canada has a lot more. Uh, stricter guidelines when it comes to border security. Correct. So I know and that hockey that... is and hockey is also the sport that has the biggest Canadian presence out of the four major American sports. There's seven Canadian hockey teams. In football, there's not even any. Mm-hmm. In baseball, we have one, the Toronto Blue Jays, and we formerly had the Montreal Expos, and there's discussions of bringing that back, but uh, as of right now, you just have the Blue Jays, and in basketball, you only have you have the Raptors. And is there one other that I'm forgetting? Just the Raptors, right? It might be in just yeah. So in hockey, you have seven. So they're all in their own division. We have the West Division that is Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, the Kings, Minnesota, St. Louis, uh, the Sharks, and uh, Vegas. In the East, you have. We have Philly, Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, both New York teams, Washington and Pittsburgh. And then everybody else is in the Central. So Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, and Tampa. So uh, the way that it works is they will play. uh, It's a 56-game season, so you will have set for the East, West, and Central. U.S. divisions, you will have – there will be seven – um, seven sets. You'll play each. You will play each of the seven other teams in your division eight times. If you're in the Canadian division, it'll be nine or ten. Um, but all with only division play, and it will be a 56 game season. Now, this is not the first time, even in the last ten years, that we've seen a shortened season for hockey. The 2012. 2013 hockey season was also abbreviated oh, the, the lockout right yep that was the lockout in the strike year so that we have seen as a shortened season so to see a shortened season for hockey is actually not it, it, it's not that a normal i'm not that phased by it it's a drag yes and um too bad that sharks have to play vegas eight times that will be very <laughs> interesting those of you who don't know ha who have not been following hockey in recent years that has become. It used to be Sharks Kings were the two big rivals of the division of the West of it or of the division. I forget. I think it's the Pacific Division, but out of that division, now it's really turned to Sharks and Vegas. Um, partly because Vegas makes the Stanley Cup in their first year, 
Meanwhile, it took the Sharks 26 year, 25 years to even make one. So there's that. But then also the controversial Game 7 of the first round in 2017 with the four-goal cut or with the four-nothing def or three-nothing deficit, four goals in four minutes. So that combined with other things have just made that a really intense rivalry. So eight games out of that compared to four is going to be very interesting. The other thing that hockey is doing this year that they don't normally do, they're booking they did when they booked the schedule, they did it based on they did it series style, kind of like baseball, um, playing back-to-back, um, going on, uh, playing back-to-back to reduce, to reduce the travel. So those are some of the things that we are looking at for hockey this year. Yeah, it's always good to reduce the travel. Um, but I'm glad that they are taking the safety precautions and, and aligning the leagues, like you said, and kind of mixing, uh, combining them. So yeah. that and was a nice little rundown. And for the Sharks, they're actually playing in Arizona this uh, for the time being. I don't know if it will be for the full year or not, but due to Santa Clara County uh, travel restrictions, which I have my gripe about with professional sports, um, <laughs> Sharks have, are not allowed to practice or play games in Santa Clara County, which includes San Jose. Yeah, this is um, the same one that hurt the 49ers, isn't it? Yep. And yep. Stanford and Stanford football. Yeah. And San Jose State, actually. And San Jose State. Mm-hmm. All of those all those teams are part of Santa Clara County. So from at, from beginning of December on when they finished their season, they had to go find other places to do everything, which see my thing on that is and not to get super political or anything, but my basic take on this really quickly is that these professional teams are not the problem here, people. It's the people, it, they are the, they have the testing, they have the protocol, they have a plan. They're not the ones that are causing the problem. It's everybody else outside of the professional sports world. So to be including the professional sports teams in that is, is a little bit, little bit out of line in my opinion. Yeah. And if you look at SAP center where the sharks play or Levi stadium for that matter, I mean, these places are safe. I mean, these places are, you know, I wouldn't say remodeled, but they're reconfigured to COVID times. I mean, these places are more safe than, you know, because if if you're the 49ers and you got to move to Arizona, you know, you have to come up with a whole new game plan in terms of COVID. You know, I know the Cardinals kind of had their thing going. 49ers, not to invade, but they kind of had to, learn a whole new system when it came to COVID. And I think it just, it, it's mesmerizing to these teams that are in the middle of their season and they got to learn a whole new thing, but Hey, they're coming to your neck of the woods, uh, Anthony. So. Exactly. And they're, yeah. they're actually playing their first game tomorrow night in which the coyotes are having limited fans. So hopefully at some point this season, I can actually have the ability and the privilege to go to a 2021 NHL hockey game. Yeah, I'll, I'll look for you on TV. I'll, I'll kind of take my binoculars and I'll, I'll look in the press box. I'll try to find you. I'll try to track you down. <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> but uh, no, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll get to go to some games. Uh, then we'll see. We'll see kind of how things go. But hopefully, yeah, hope, hopefully when uh, you know, kind of the the later summer rolls around, the 49ers are still not there, and they've kind of made their way back to the Bay Area. Right. But then the, the, we also got the Diamondbacks, who are literally five five blocks away from where I am. So 
maybe they'll have uh, some sort of limited fans too, especially since it is baseball. So more more to come on that. Yeah, for sure. But uh, the last thing I kind of, um, the last major topic I want to go into uh, this afternoon or this this afternoon is uh, is the NFL playoffs. It's uh, it's NFL playoff time. We're heading into the divisional round this weekend. But before we get to the divisional round and looking ahead, let's just recap some of the stuff that we saw last weekend. Uh, what what was your take on that? How much uh, were you able to watch the games? What what are some of your initial thoughts? Yeah, I was able to watch a few games. Um, or sorry, I was not able to watch a few games, but I did. You know, I am keeping up with it, uh, and I do think that NFL playoffs and this this I think is is very much agreed upon when it comes to sports fans in America. NFL playoffs, man, that's where it's at. That's where you get the the excitement. I mean, you get to see, especially these wild card teams, and you know, last last twenty years, more more in league, more leagues have done, you know, wild card wild card games, right? And it's become something that uh, we have seen so often. And I think uh, I don't want to segue into the Nickelodeon, um, the Nickelodeon, you know. Seg- what am I trying to say? The Nickelodeon broadcast. Uh, but no, this was a great week of, of football. And I think um, a lot of people watched as uh, some of these teams. And we got to see really, really good football. Um, what do you think? Because I'm running out of words. I'm trying to think of what to say. Because there's a few points that I had written down, but I'm trying to find it. So while well, I find we, it. We did. Uh, you, you were right. We saw a lot. If uh, NFL playoffs are arguably – some of the most exciting playoffs. I would say that second right behind March Madness. March Madness is always a lot of fun. Um, obviously, we didn't see it in 2020 um, because it's 2020. But uh, March Madness always brings a great deal of excitement as well uh, with upsets every year. There's the bracket challenge, a whole lot of fun. But with regards to the NFL, um, you, the, the, there's always a lot to be seen, right? Last year and in, tw- in, in last year's playoffs, we saw – Quite a number of we saw um, our our high seeds from the wild card round. Two of our high seeds from the wild card round go down very early. We saw the Patriots go out, and I forget who the other team was off the top of my head that we saw go down. But we saw um, so that's what we saw last year. This year we didn't see as many of those upsets. But we still saw some really good games. Um, I'm just going to kind of run through my thoughts on each of these real briefly here. Um, we had the Colts Bills. At, I will actually go by go by week here, AFC and NFC, just to keep it a little bit more simple. On the AFC side, we saw the Bills Colts game, a uh, great game, came down to the wire um, on on a controversial fumble call with about thirty seconds left. I didn't get to see all of this game. I was uh, on a flight back here to Arizona from California, actually. So I only got to watch about the second half of that on the plane up until about the two-minute warning. Josh um, Allen was great. He is. You know, Josh Allen is a player that's had a breakout. He, he's just – he's had a breakout season. And it's um, – people saw his greatness uh, last year and before that, but this is really the season he just took off. I mean, he led the Bills to being 13-3. and three. He's and a good rushing – their first playoff run 
your first playoff win in 20, 26 years. Yeah, he's good rushing too. I mean, he, he threw for almost 330 yards. I think he was really good. So, actually, maybe the 26 years, that, that was somebody else. But anyways, um, yeah, he's, he's leading. This is a good Bills team. I have confidence in the Bills, and I'll get to that uh, just a couple minutes here. Um, also on the AFC side, we saw the Ravens-Titans game. Um, honestly, n- not a ton of excitement there, in my opinion. Um, people may disagree with me. There wasn't really too much exciting stuff happening there, and it was also uh, a very dominantly running game, hence why they were done by 2 o'clock in that game, mm-hmm. just before 2 o'clock, and that game started at 11, uh, mountain time that is. Um, which is an hour ahead from California, but um, not really too much excitement there. I, my one comment on that is um, Lamar Jackson running off the field, not even shaking hands. Uh, you, I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, from a sports, I've, I've always been taught good sportsmanship and been a fan and an advocate for good sportsmanship. And no matter, um, my roommate and I were talking about this and he was, you know, and I agree with him. He was like, no matter what happens, you always be the bigger person. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, I wasn't quite a big fan of that. And then we had the Brown Steelers game um, at the end. The Steelers looked great to start off, talking about them the season, that is. Went off 11-0, and then they fell off really quickly. The Steelers were a big pretender this year, and that is no secret especially now. Um, they finished the season one and five, um, but it's time for Big Ben to retire. Um, yeah, I think he said after he, three, he, he just did not look good in that. After game. three interceptions, I'd hope so. Well, and not only that, you also it, it also was a sign early on, granted it wasn't his fault, first play of the game, you have a bad snap that goes for a touchdown in the end zone. That's, not, that's never a good thing. That's how you know. Oh boy, it's going to be a long game. Oh, the first half was awful, and I think it was. Um, then the Steelers came back and put up a fight, but um, I think this was the Browns' first, um, their first playoff appearance in eighteen years, and their first playoff win since nineteen ninety four. There you go. Yeah. So, so it's been a um, while for them, but good to see. Very happy for the Browns. Actually, I'm uh, I'm not a Browns fan, but um, I'm very. Very happy about that, um, and to see them at least have some success and see something in their future. And I wouldn't be the first to admit I underestimated them this year. I didn't even think, hey, even though the Steelers were flat, I didn't have them winning that game. I just, I, I didn't see the, I so for some reason just didn't see the confidence in them. And I, and I was wrong about that, and I will admit that. Yeah, Ben um, Roethlisberger, though, that's that's the one we want to highlight in this game. It is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, I think it's – Steelers, do you think it's getting close for a rebuild? Not this, Maybe mm-hmm. not a full rebuild, but they definitely – yeah, Big Ben, time to retire. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the NFC side, we had the Rams-Seahawks game. Even though it was more high scoring when then these the, – uh, than when these two teams played each other two weeks ago in week 16 – I didn't see much excitement from that either. I will. There was the Rams uh, quarterback situation with Wolford starting and then getting hurt and Jared Goff coming in as an emergency quarterback. 
Um, but other than that, there wasn't much excitement from that. The Washington football team and Buccaneers game. Let's talk about that game for a second there, Stephen. That was a good game. Um, even though uh, the Bucs were the favorite, the Washington football team put up a good fight. Um, yeah. And, and Tay, uh, Heineke from the football team stepping in for Alex Smith. He did a great job. For being his second NFL start and what he did in, the, in that playoff game, Kit, props to him. Yeah, this was a good one, and I think we saw, um, you know, we, we saw a glimpse of you know what Tom Brady could do without Bill Belichick. I think, you know, his postseason greatness is far beyond what Belichick brought to the table. You know, that team, that that, you know, friendship and that working relationship in in New England. I think, you know, Brady. You know, just because he's he's now a Buck, you know, he's still he's still a great postseason performer. You know, and two touchdown passes. He was great. It just looked like vintage Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. You're right. And, uh, but yeah, so I, um, sorry, think of what I want to say here, but no, I, I, I agree with you on that. And, you know, as much as I, as much as philosophically for me, I do not agree and do not and I'm not a fan of under 500 teams making the playoffs, much less the fact that they got the four team, the four seed with the worst record. As much as I disagree with that, I will say I did want the football team, that there was a part of me that wanted the football team to see some success and at least win one game. And that is simply for the story of Alex Smith and Ron Rivera. Yeah. I have always been a fan of underdogs and storylines right there with those two guys you have a storyline. You have Alex Smith, who had almost a life-changing injury that he worked so hard to come back from. There's, a, there's an ESPN documentary. I can't remember if it was a, one of those 60-minute films or a 30 for 30 that they did um, about Alex Smith, but they did a great documentary on him I, about maybe a year ago that I saw parts of, but I, it, I now want to go back and see that documentary. And it also just makes you, you know, the fact that what he did this year just keeps going on that storyline. And then you have Ron Rivera who beat cancer head coach who beat cancer this year. I mean, what, what, what more can you ask for? And you Um, also have a team that is fighting for an identity in terms of marketing. Yes. the, The Redskins name kind of attached or disattached from them. And they rolled with the Washington football team. Who knows what, their future is, but I think, you know, getting a chance to be on themselves stage gave them a good chance to, uh, to, you know, who knows what their next name is going to be. That's a discussion for a different day. Right. There, that is. And then there's the whole discussion and controversy of Dan Snyder, but we're not going to, we're not going to go into that <laughs> quite today either, but there's, there's that whole thing. And then we have the Saints bears game. That was just boring. But the one thing that I, but we, I do want to talk about, this is the game that, although it was a boring game and there's a whole discussion on that, this is a game the NFL experimented with something this offseason. They broadcasted this game, did a simulcast on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Did you get a chance to watch that at all? What, what did you think of it? Let's, let's start there. So I did. I got a glimpse of it. And I will say this, it's great for the younger fan. If you're somebody who is young, first of all, I completely love it. I love the fact that it's 
there for the younger fan. And I love the fact that somebody who doesn't know football or somebody that doesn't know sports could go in and see their favorite characters, explain the game to them while also being able to hang out with dad or mom and the family that loves football. Right. So it's, it's, it's a cool thing. And, and I thought it was really cool if you're like an amateur or if you're a experienced, you know, viewer of sports, if you're like a veteran, you know, NFL lover, watcher, whatever you may call it, maybe it's not for you. Cause I mean, there is some, some points in the broadcasting there that, you know, you already know the game of football. You don't need to know this other stuff, you know, you know this stuff. So it, it, it does get a little bit crazy in terms of, you know, I wouldn't, I don't want to say childish cause it is cool. You know, mm-hmm. the slime zone in the end zone, that is cool. But I will say if you're, you know, it, it's not for everybody. I think I'll keep it at that. It's not something that, you know, uh, somebody who's been watching football for 50 years would necessarily, you know, love to turn on. So it depends on who you are. If you're a kid, you're going to love it. If you're, you know, kind of a younger adult, you're going to love it. If you're a middle-aged person, I don't know how much you're going to love it. If you're an older person, maybe you won't love it. But it's for the younger generation. And anything that's done for the younger generations in sports, I'm completely here for. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you. It, this, this game, the reason they did this is to attract that younger audience. They're trying to appeal to a different demographic. Um, you know, instead of going, you may be trying to watch SpongeBob, but instead you turn on Nickelodeon, oh, there's a football game. You know, and the, the, there were the whole graphics and the comparisons of characters. Uh, the one that comes, the one that a lot of people thought was funny was the Alvin Kamara comparison to Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> um, they, they did comparisons like that. It's great for its purpose. But as you said, for even the amateur, if you know the basics of football, it's, it's not for you. It, it, it was hard muted. to watch. Yeah, or watch it, it when it's muted. <laughs> you know, and I would watch the – after a while, I, uh, I switched back over to the CBS Tony Romo feed, um, you know. But it's great for what they're trying to do. It would be great if baseball could do something like that because, after all, baseball's the one that needs the younger audience. They're sure. the ones that can't market their sport for many different reasons – Again, another discussion for another day, but they're the ones that can't market their sport. So the fact that the NFL was the one, the first to do is like, oh, of course they are. But at the same time, really, the NFL is first. Baseball, you couldn't get on it sooner. But again, it's great for its purpose. But for the experienced person, even, look, I'm not even the most knowledgeable football guy. And I'll be the first to admit that, especially from an analytical perspective. I never played football. I haven't really been getting into – it wasn't until about five years ago, five, six years ago that I started getting into football and really, really following it more than just watching the Super Bowl every year. Um, despite the fact that my dad always had it on and that we've had Sunday ticket for many years, it, it just wasn't my interest growing up, going through elementary school. And so that wasn't, that wasn't you that was the star running back at Aragon High School who's like nope. the most rushing yards of all time? That's not you? <laughs> No, it wasn't, unfortunately. Oh, maybe, maybe there's a different Anthony Remedios that went there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, but even somebody like me, look, I, I've announced football. I've at least, I at least know the basics of the game. I know how it's scored. I know what some basic penalties are 
Um, obviously, I don't know all the rules, but um, I know um, I know the basics of the game. And one thing that actually I did find really interesting, it's not related to the NFL, but going off those same lines um, of another way of teaching people about the game is the ref cast that ESPN did um, for the college football national championship. And I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but what they did was they had a couple coaches like Herm Edwards um, come on, some former officials like John Perry come on. It was a broadcasting before. So Herm Edwards was on there, um, for, former coach, broadcast, former NFL coach and player, um, current ASU head football coach. Uh, they had Jason Benetti, um, who you've seen on a, a lot of ESPN broadcasts, especially with, the, especially with the KBO. You see him everywhere, John Perry. Um, and there's another guy, I forget his name. But basically what, what they were doing with that is broadcasting the, it was one of the ESPN many, one of ESPN's many simulcasts they had for the National Football Championship earlier in the week. And what that broadcasting team was doing was looking at it from an officiating perspective. Anytime there was a controversial call, they're looking at, okay, what are the refs looking at? What are, how does what what is what is the ruling behind this? What should be called? And looking at it from that point of view, um, and as a baseball umpire, I haven't ref, I haven't officiated football before, but as a baseball umpire, I I know that from officiating, you begin to look at the game from a different perspective. You look at things and think of things in ways that you never have thought of before. So that's another thing that I think the NFL could do as well um, for the more experienced for the more experienced viewer. But going back to the Nickelodeon broadcast, didn't mean to get off on that tangent there. Great for its purpose, but like you said, not for everybody. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'd like to see more of it, though, see where it goes. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see um, how else the, these uh, professional sports leagues, not just the NFL, uh, begin to mark uh, – Take their for take their sport to other platforms. You know whether that's a Twitch stream or uh, we've seen YouTube TV really rising, and uh, the NFL did some experimenting with Amazon Prime Video eh. uh, this year. So things like that, and it'll be really interesting in, in these next couple of years seeing seeing the direction that that goes, especially as these these four major sports all have their big contracts expiring in the next in the next few years with the networks. It's pretty scary to think about. It is. It <laughs> is. Mean, yeah, I can't imagine cable without sports. That would be a- I can't either. I can't either. I mean that something's got to get done cuz you know, not everybody could get nor afford Amazon Prime. Exactly. Um, so that's something that has to be done for the good. Well, of- and here's the thing about those streaming services. There's so many of them that all attract people for different reasons, but they add up. It may only be, you know, for Netflix, eight bucks a month. But then you have that, you have Hulu, you have CBS All Access, HBO Max, Prime, the list Peacock now. Disney the list Plus. Goes, yeah. The list goes on and on. Disney Plus. It all adds up. So Wizard then cast. in the end, you end up still paying the same amount as you would pay on a cable bill. Yeah. All that. Some so, people are ditching cable altogether. Maybe that's, uh, I don't know. I just hope it doesn't go too far from the control of the sports teams and same same but what i do want to talk do the right thing i do but uh let's let's look ahead now to this weekend 
we now have the divisional playoff round. Uh, so now we will see those teams. We will see the Packers and the Chiefs that had the first round by come into the picture. I am just going to make a side note. Um, expanded playoffs for the NFL. I know that is something they were had agreed upon pre-COVID. That is not a COVID um, thing. It was not. It wasn't bad. I'm. It does bring a little bit more excitement, um, but at the same time, now you have 14 teams in the playoffs. That's a discussion for a different day, though. But now we see the Packers and the Chiefs come back into the picture this weekend. So from our AFC matchups, we will have the uh, we will have the five seed Baltimore Ravens taking on the number two Buffalo Bills, and we will have the Chiefs at the number one and the Browns at number seven playing each other. Uh, Bills Ravens will play at six fifteen Mountain Time on Saturday at on NBC. And the Browns and Chiefs will play at 105 Mountain Time in the afternoon on CBS and ESPN. And on the NFC side, we have the number six Rams against the Packers at the one seed on Fox at 235 Mountain Time on Saturday. And the Saints and Buccaneers um, at the three and five seeds, respectively. I'm sorry, the two and the five seeds, respectively taking each other on at 4.40 Mountain Time on Fox on Sunday. So, Stephen, what are your predictions this weekend uh, for those games? And just let's, let's do a little bit of a preview here um, as we begin to wrap things up for today. Yeah, uh, Bucks and Saints, I guess we could start with them. Uh, I like this matchup a lot. I will say Tom Brady. I can't bet against Tom Brady, especially in this game. Um, I think the Bucks win this one. In terms of Browns Chiefs, um, this is the CBS game, I think, as you mentioned. Uh, yep. The Browns have the adrenaline, as you mentioned before, first time 25 years since they won a playoff game. Um, you know, I like I like Kareem Hunt. I like I, I like Kareem Hunt against the Chiefs a lot. Um, however, you know, I, I the Browns defense kind of is a little bit spotty. But I we saw go... that in the second half last week, too. It's mm-hmm. 35-7 at the half. All of a sudden, the Chiefs are just coming back, or the Sealers, rather, coming back into the game. Yeah, I think this one's going to be pretty high scoring. Too. I think the Mahomes-Hill matchup is, is too good to overcome. Uh, Ravens-Bills, this is the NBC game, as you mentioned. Yep. I mean, the Bills are just on a roll. It's got to be like six or seven in a row, maybe even eight in a row. Um, and I think the Ravens have like five or six too. Um, oh, that's gonna that's probably gonna be the tightest one. I would have to go with the Ravens there. Wow. Um, okay. I would I would go with the Ravens, and then the other Fox Saturday game is the the, the Packers Rams. It's in Green Bay. You know, Aaron Rodgers. You know, the Rams are good defensively. I mean, they're gonna get a few guys back. I think. Oh, I don't. You know, the Green Bay's defense has to be the X factor. You know, they're, they're going to have to be good. I think they will be good. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go to another NFC championship game. So, okay. go Packers. Um, so, yeah, th- those would be my, my predictions there. Okay. Just so around I'm, the board. So, I'm just going to say here my prediction, my bracket that I filled out before everything started is kind of, ha- kind of shot already. 
I had Seattle going to the NFC Championship, so that's already a wash, which also <laughs> meant that the Bucks then would be playing Tampa Bay. That's not happening now. Then on the NFC side, I had the Steelers and the Titans both winning. So I got those two matchups are a little bit inaccurate. But going off of what we have now, because my initial prediction was Bills-Packers Super Bowl, which I still have, um, and I'll get to that. But um, – for this weekend, I'm gonna go. I'll I'll go in the reverse order that you went in. I think the Packers are gonna take this one over the Rams. They they've been good all year. Aaron Rodgers has been Aaron Rodgers. Um, that defense has had some really good. Has been doing some good things this year. Um, and I, I'm not saying this based on the seating. I I do think that the Packers look like a better team. They are, look more consistent. Um, you have Devontae Adams on that team as well, um, who has been who has had a couple really good weeks as well. Just the Rams, there's that defense is good, but I I don't know if I trust that offense enough, especially with I, I don't know that I trust Jared Goff enough. There's just there's something about that Rams team that just isn't sitting with me that I'm just not that I'm just not hype about. Uh, going to the Bills Ravens game. This, I think, is going to be the closest game and the best game to watch all weekend. Um, I have the Bills taking this one. I know the Ravens have been hot, and that Lamar Jackson has been hot. Um, this is going to be a battle of quarterbacks, just like we're going to see in the Bucks saints game with two veterans, except that here we have two, we have two younger quarterbacks. We have Lamar and Josh Allen. Um, but the Bills have just been on a roll. I, I really have confidence in this Bills team. Um, I really do. Like I said earlier, Josh Allen has just had a breakout year. You also have Stephon Diggs um, and some other players on there as well, whose names I'm blanking out on, um, who have really who have really helped this team uh, this year. And I saw a stat uh, from a friend of mine going into last weekend's game. Obviously, the stat is different now, but that and going into last weekend's game, the Bills were were plus 80 point differential in their last 10 quarters of regular season football. Wow. That's insane. But one of the things that is really, really important in the playoffs, and this goes for any sport, not just football, it's getting hot with the right guys at the right, the right time. time yep. That's literally what this is. And this Bills team defines it. Um, and if there's any team that's going to take down the Chiefs, it's the Bills. I gen- and I genuinely think that. Um, going into the Chiefs, we have the Chiefs-Browns game. Um, like you said, the Browns have that momentum and that adrenaline. And like I just said, all about getting hot. But I do think the Chiefs are going to come out on this one. It's Patrick Mahomes with Kelsey and Tyreek Hill in the backfield. I, I just That team has just been so dominant all year. Their one loss, aside from Week 17, because that's Week 17, was to the Raiders. Um, now, granted, the Raiders put up a good fight in the second game that they played, but still, that Chiefs team has just been so so dominant. I, I'm going to have them over the Browns, although there is a part of me that does just, for, again, for that underdog story, wants the Browns to win. And I don't like Baker against the Chiefs defense either. Yeah. I don't think that's a good combination. Yeah, but I am gonna take I am gonna take the Chiefs in this one here. 
Um, and then in the Bucks Saints game, we saw the Saints win twice in the regular season. Because I, at this point, I'm still going to go with the Bucks. Again, it's Tom Brady in the playoffs. As you mentioned, it's Tom Brady, who's just, we know his postseason success. We know his postseason track record. Drew Brees, I just don't have the confidence in Drew Brees anymore. He's, he's, he's getting old. I've seen that all year. Maybe that's just because I've been looking at it from a fantasy perspective too much this year. But just, I, Drew Brees, I, I just don't have the confidence in him anymore. He, he's another one that he, it, I think he's retired. I think he's going to call it a day after this season. But he also, can't throw, he also can't throw down the field as much anymore like he used to. He's not, he, he's not the same. So I, I, I'm going to take the Bucks in this one simply because of the history of Tom Brady um, in the playoffs and just th- who he is as a postseason quarterback. Can't um, wait. The, other, the other thing I want to draw attention to is that the magnitude of the of the AFC, the fact that you had to be 11 and five to even make the playoffs is just insane. And the fact that you could be seven and nine, eight and eight to make it in, in the NFC is just, it speaks to the level of competition in the AFC, and that's I think that actually I think could help some 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 of these that will help these AFC teams moving forward as we get deeper into the playoffs because they're used to that kind of competition. For sure, tough league. So, um, that's where I stand prediction wise. It's going to be a great weekend of football. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to have a Great games, and um, see how it goes. Can't wait. Can't wait. Anthony, I appreciate you coming on here and, and absolutely taking over things. It was a great show. Um, I'm sure all the RizzoCast listeners loved it. Um, we had some great discussions, and uh, it, was, it was a ton of fun. It was. Thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully – I'll be back on a future pod. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get a chance to collaborate again on something in the future, whatever that may be. And hopefully we'll see you. Hopefully I'll see you here uh, pretty soon. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully we get to uh, have you on a future podcast. That'd be a lot of fun. Thank All you. Right. You guys could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. You guys could follow me on Twitter at Steven Rizzotto. Anthony, where can they follow you? So you can follow me on Twitter, ARSports20. Um, that's where I'm probably the most active as of right now. Um, I do not currently have a media Instagram yet, but my personal Instagram is aremedios2020. That is R-E-M-E-D-I-O-S to spell my last name. Um, but yeah, Twitter and Instagram, um, feel free to hit me up or uh, talk sports or anything. For sure. Can't wait. Can't wait for this week of football. Can't wait for um, spring training just around the corner. Can't wait for some more continued basketball. Can't wait for the NHL season. Can't wait for sports. Anyways, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, You can find us on every podcast platform. The visual aspect will be on YouTube. Have a great day, everybody, and enjoy your sports.